for anybody who's seen the new Wonder Woman movie and you're like seeing, thinking about like tough ladies of World War One. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. She was the Amelia Earhart of Texas and a pioneer in aviation history. Today we discuss the life and times of aviatrix Catherine Stinson. But first, what's your favorite airplane built in Texas? Well, I'm going to go with uh, an aircraft that was built in Fort Worth uh, in the Convair factory in the 1950s, the B-58 Hustler, which it was a Delta-winged bomber that flew Mach 2. It was one of the very first Mach 2 aircraft in the world, and and, uh, it was only in service for about eight years because it did one thing. It flew very fast and dropped nuclear bombs, and so not very practical, (laughs) but it is a cool-looking airplane. Yeah, it is a cool plane. And when you're talking about your favorite airplanes, being cool-looking is high on the list. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to fault you there. Well, I, I'm going to say the uh, the F-16 Fighting Falcon. And uh, for no other reason than the uh, amazing film of my childhood, Iron Eagle. <laughs> With Louis Gossett Jr. Chappie. My, my great-uncle was one of the few people who actually was part of uh, the factory line that went from the B-36 in the 1940s to the F-16 in the 1980s. Nice. So he was a factory foreman even at the F-16 project. So, Very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick the uh, V-22 Osprey. Um, I know it's not the most uh, reliable aircraft. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of trouble with its construction and cost overruns and all that stuff, but Getting back to what I said to your about your answer, Sean, it's it's pretty cool looking, and mm-hmm. it does some things that uh, you wouldn't uh, normally expect an airplane to do. And I just I just think it's neat. So uh, I'm glad they worked out most of those safety problems, and uh, it's finally out there in service, um, mostly carrying Marines around. I believe that's mm-hmm. where it's used the most. So yeah, uh, that's my pick. Right over there off of uh, the, the Bell Factory, yeah, off of uh, 360 Norlington. Yep. That's where they it originally t- built it. It can take off straight up and down mm-hmm. and then go forward. Yep. I mean, that's an airplane that can do that. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. It's a very Batman-looking airplane. This is just a smattering of some of the amazing aircraft manufactured in Texas. Uh, and it's been really cool just to see kind of how Texas and... Uh, Aviation fit together. Before she became an aviation pioneer and set world records, Catherine Stinson came from humble beginnings. She was born on Valentine's Day in 1891 in Fort Payne, Alabama to Eddie and Marjorie Stinson, and she was the eldest of the four Stinson children. Stinson originally had aspirations to pursue a career in music, but she could not afford to do so. Now, nobody knows quite how, but most reports seem to indicate that she decided the newfangled flying machines would be the best way for her to earn money to master the piano. Of course, the thrill of exhibition flying would lead her to abandon her music career and take to the skies. In early 1911, Stinson tried to get flying lessons from a Tony Janis, but he refused to let her take control. Now, this early in flying, probably there were very few people who actually were qualified to fly. Uh, so she then went to Max Lilly, who was a pilot of some renown, and he'd worked for the original pilots, the Wright brothers. Uh, 
Lily initially, Lily, Lily initially refused to teach a woman how to fly, but she was persistent and wore him down. And so he gave her a trial lesson. She was so talented, though, that she was flying solo after just four hours of instruction. Twelve months late. Twelve months later, she became known as the flying schoolgirl on the exhibition circuit. Now, she was actually 21, not 16, so not really a schoolgirl, but that didn't stop the newspapers from running the story. Stinson and her family relocated to San Antonio, Texas, thanks to its ideal climate for flying. And we all know from previous episodes how crucial San Antonio was to aviation in Texas. Lily had gained permission from the U.S. government to convert the parade grounds of Fort Sam Houston into a flying field. Catherine's sister had also become a pilot, and the family opened an aviation school. Stinson worked around the clock teaching flying, fixing planes, and in her spare time, attempting new and daring tricks. In 1915, Stinson would become the first woman and only the fourth pilot ever to complete a loop-de-loop. The first loop was in a plane she had constructed herself. She would go on to perform this trick over 500 times throughout her career without a serious incident. Stinson had a number of highlights during her early flying career. She was the first pilot of either sex to fly at night. She became an official pilot for the U.S. Airmail Service. And during World War I, flew a Curtis Jenny and later a Curtis Stinson special to raise funds for the Red Cross at a number of exhibitions. She would set distance and endurance records both in the U.S. and Canada, including making the second-ever airmail delivery in the Great White North. In December of 1917, she covered over 600 miles from San Diego to San Francisco, breaking the American nonstop distance record. Well, with the outbreak of the First World War, Stinson volunteered for pilot duty, but, as is probably to be expected, was twice rejected due to her gender. In line, though, with many other notables, like Ernest Hemingway, Stinson volunteered as an ambulance driver for the Red Cross. While in Europe, Stinson had a bad case of influenza, which led to tuberculosis. She she did suffer some long-term effects from these diseases, and sadly, in 1920, it caused her to retire from flying. After the war, and thanks to its dry and arid climate, Stinson relocated to New Mexico for her health. While she couldn't fly anymore, she adopted a second career as an architect. Much of her work drew inspiration from the Spanish and Pueblo architecture of her new home. In 1927, Stinson married Miguel Antonio Otero Jr., a veteran and local judge. Stinson passed away in 1977 at 86 years old. She's interned at the Santa Fe National Cemetery. The retirement in Texas was short. She broke many barriers and records of aviation while calling San Antonio her home. Inspired by their sister, her brothers formed the famous Stinson Airplane Company. Now today, there's a middle school in northwest San Antonio named for her, as well as Stinson Municipal Airport, which is the second oldest civilian airport in the United States, which is also located in San Antonio. Well, what a remarkable story. She Um, was a crazy, brave, amazing pilot lady who had a very bright and short career. Yeah, I mean, uh, solo flying after about four hours of instruction on a plane that probably its entire life would be considered experimental. um, (laughs) You know, it's pretty remarkable. Well, it's it's funny, like some of these original things that she worked out, it's funny, some of these original things she worked out, one article I found noted that uh, they were the old Wright Brothers style controls. So they're like bulldozer sticks. You know, like yeah, yeah. They don't 
They don't go back, forth, left, right. They just there's two sticks that go back and forth on either side, and one's a turning stick, and one's a, a ban- an elevator stick. And it was just like, oh man, like to climb yeah. into these old jalopies, it's, it's really something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a big uh, sheet strapped uh, with a lawnmower engine strapped yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's what it is. Uh, so what I liked about this story is that it really is has some callbacks to some previous episodes we've done. It reminds me a lot of the Bessie Coleman episode, and Bessie Coleman was from a few years later, uh, after the First World War. But this was another woman who fell in love with flying, became obsessed with it, really, and um, be- was persistent in pursuing her lessons and forced her way into uh, getting those fly, those flying lessons on an airplane. And, and of course, Bessie Coleman had the, the double disadvantage for the time, let's face it, of being African-American. So she well, had it two, also, two strikes against her. Yeah. yeah. And it also overlapped it, with the San Antonio Aviation one. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we I think we even mentioned um, Lily in that San Antonio mm-hmm. Aviation episode about the early the early days of flying in San Antonio at the military bases. So I think that's pretty remarkable. The other thing, I guess, I, I know about the Stinson Aircraft Company. Stinson made a number of uh, aircraft during the Second World War that were um, training aircraft and, and liaison aircraft and observation aircraft. So I didn't know that there was a Texas connection. didn't even know there were a Texas company. Uh, and I didn't know that that, that it was a, a Texas aviation legend that – is the inspiration behind that company well actually they they're founded up north but then they they have they were always moving around mm-hmm. so but then the roots of it all go back to fort sam in, in san antonio where the whole family was hanging out so it's kind of it's kind of cool little connection there to to how this all this um texas aviation i mean it was really something when we did the san antonio aviation to find all of the connections to how much military and professional aviation started and, and worked in Texas. So, and on top of that, like she, this lady broke, set and, and broke a bunch of records. And just the fact that she couldn't serve as a pilot. So all the years she was a pilot, she never got hurt. But the second she drives an ambulance in the crappy weather of, you know, Northern Europe, <laughs> she gets yeah. tuberculosis, almost yeah. dies. So maybe if they'd let her be a fire. A- a flyer over there a lot better off i don't know i don't know the other thing that it harkens to me is for anybody who's seen the new wonder woman movie and you're like seeing thinking about like tough ladies of world war one so exactly good stuff that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com we'd love to hear from you so like and share us on facebook follow the show on twitter at texas podcast or go to brainstaple.com and leave some feedback you can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show. You love Texas. So help us out, tell your friends, and leave a review on iTunes, because that helps us to find listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.